Hey, aloha, and welcome to episode four. This is a bonus episode because it's free agency time. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We want to unpack every team in the National Football League, the free agent questions that you might have as fans, and really make this an interactive show. But before we get to all that, Mike, get up on get up here and let's have a little conversation with my man, Magic Mike. Hey, 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 Claire, where to have, great to have you in. Uh, Mike. Now, this is the first time I've this is uh, ever had to wish anybody a, a happy post St. Patrick's Day, and uh, I appreciate the fact that you sent that little challenge to me about Guinness. Right? What's up, Fred? Great to have you with us. You you wanted me to drink a Guinness in one in one thing in one swallow? It's potty stamina. It's potty stamina. Well, I, I, just let me tell you this: I actually tried to find a. There's only two restaurants that serve alcohol in this town there's only two bars in this town so uh i nobody had guinness if you can believe that nobody i couldn't find a guinness in town so i couldn't take you up on the, on your challenge but i will the next time i see you in ireland we got a ton of people in with us already um mike was it a good saint paddock's day Jeff, I would love to sit here and talk about Paddy's day but the, the second that you went live there's been there's breaking news in the nfl all right, give me what well, come on, bring it to me. We've got Dave. a we've got a new TV deal. It's been confirmed, there's been a press release from the NFL in the last the last minute and a half. Uh 10 year deal 2023 to 2033. Um it's it's too hard to pronounce, but uh ESPN and ABC or or ABC will have the Super Bowl in 2026 and 2030. Not much of a deal for us, but I guess it'll help our TV deal as well over here. But obviously big news in the States. And it'll be interesting to see what the cap hit is next year. If there, I'm sure it'll be a big cap next year. Hey, hey we're going to talk. We're, we're going to talk to an expert in that field here in a little bit. But um, I gotta, I, I gotta get back to St. Patty's Day because I have this. I've been, I couldn't hardly sleep last night worrying about you because I saw you were well into it, well into the Guinness, well into the festivities. <laughs> Are you a little hungover this morning, me man? I'm grand, I'm grand. We had uh, Paul Pabst from the Dan Patrick show on last night. So it was good crack in that sense on our, on our show. Uh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I feel fine. fresh. D- I'm delighted yeah. to do this on, on a Thursday night. It's great to talk some football after uh, an interesting day yesterday. It's great to get some fans on as well. So good fun. Yeah. Well, that's cool because, again, this is this is a, the fan show. It's not our show, and it, we want to make it as interactive as we possibly can. But I thought it was really, really important because of free agency to get an expert on the free agency process the salary cap all of those things so that the fans and again you're welcome to fire questions at our guests we're bringing you uh super agent paul sheehy who works uh he has a company called pro star sports in denver colorado and he is a fantastic agent he's been in the agency business for over 30 years he's uh, uh obviously represented numerous pro bowlers uh sport uh excuse me super bowl champions uh draft i mean he's got them all man and it now has really kind of branched off and and uh is doing players and you got front office guys now paul is that true we get, we got a couple of those and, and a lot of coaches as well so it's been kind of a new a new well not really new about 10 years we've been dipping into the non-player side of things so yeah well i, I gotta ask you a couple questions because this has been such a crazy week and i know for you guys this is like i, I mean what what analogy can I make? Well, I mean, what is it like? The pressure it's is like, like- a, a CPA during the last three days of tax season. If anybody okay. could appreciate that, it's it's kind of like that. It is a it is sprint, 
and I think we just uh, took a breath after crossing the the first finish line ever, you know, at least yesterday. So, and we're literally still, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's today. Um, you know, a deal we did with, with Buffalo for punter Matt Hawk uh, coming from Miami to go to Buffalo. Uh, still working on some language up to literally 10 minutes ago. And we just got everything nailed down. And, you know, it's, it's fun because Matt's sitting there in the office in Buffalo. He just got his physical. And he's like, okay, Paul, let's, are we, are we ready to sign this thing? <laughs> just relax. Just, just give me five more minutes. I know we can get this work, worked out. But uh, those guys are great in Buffalo. I've dealt with them for years. And uh, same group. I think that's a really good key. You know, when you look at NFL teams, it's top down, right? If they're really good up top, they're going to be consistently, consistently competitive throughout. And, and guys like Jim Overdorf there and, uh, and, and even the newer regime, Brandon Bean and, and that company, they're fantastic. They're really well, good. Hey, Mike, can you throw up Paul's, Paul's score sheet for the for the first week in free agency? Because ah, this is pretty impressive. I'll, this is from this is from Paul's uh, Twitter uh, account, and you can follow him at Pro Star Sports. But is this is Paul? A sign. He's had a linebacker, two kickers, a cornerback, three punters, two tight ends, a defensive tackle, and three long snappers, and more to come. Pretty doggone good week, dude. Holy cow, I'm tired of reading that. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. By the way, the linebacker was the one you had on your show the other day, Alex. Alex, Alex Singleton. Yeah. And now tell tell if I don't you don't you don't need to get into particulars of his deal, but tell us about <clears throat> Alex. Oh, first of all, the person Alex is as impressive as the player Alex is, leads the team in tackles, really comes in as a role player this year, not really sure what the reps are going to look like, gets an opportunity because of injury, and literally never looks back. He is the guy, Jeff, who as a coach, you know, you say, hey, dude, don't don't count the reps, make the reps count. That's this guy, right? So he goes in there, and if it's five plays, he's got five production plays. And if it's 30 plays, he's got 28 production plays. So that's Alex. And uh, off the field, he's even more impressive. Like the work he does with his with his sister, Ashley, and, you know, she's she's got Down syndrome. And her spirit is phenomenal. And Alex, the way he, you know, works with her and encourages her and all of her friends. And it, it's just awesome. He's just a phenomenal kid. Uh, Alex, you know, if Alex continues to play, he's what they call an exclusive rights free agent. So I'll give you a really quick uh, free agency, you know, lowdown. Three types of players. Exclusive rights means until you have three years in the league, three credited seasons, that team you're under contract with, even if your contract expires, owns your rights, basically. All they have to do is tender you the minimum salary and they own your rights for another year. Then you've got restricted, which is exactly three years in the league and your, your contract is up. Then they have to tender you at different levels to retain your rights. If they lose you, they get compensation. And then the big money guys are the unrestricted guys, four years in the league, and their contract's up. And then they get to have 32 teams in a, in a competitive bidding environment, you know, vying for their, for their services. So Alex is still a, an exclusive rights guy this year. So he'll sign a one-year deal, um, and he'll be back next year. But he's you know, he could turn into an elite player in this league just on the, the limited playtime he's seen last year. And it really wasn't that limited, come to think of it, but uh, probably started three quarters of the games, led the team in tackles. He, he could be on track to be an elite player um, on and off the field. Yeah, and you know what? You're exactly right. And that's the kind of guy 
you want to see get rewarded with the big contract and the big money and all the things that come with it. Hey, it's been a crazy, crazy first week. Uh, and I just want to know from your standpoint, from an agent standpoint, what has been the biggest takeaway in the first week in free agency? It's always crazy, right? And the one thing I, I'm always reminded of is big money goes first. So if you've got some guys that you feel should be at that top echelon, you better know when to strike. Half the magic of getting a deal done is knowing when to pull the trigger and stop looking around. And I think that's that's the biggest thing I've learned over the years is you need to know when to pull the trigger because it does. Big money goes first. And a, a, a really good kind of team perspective on this is the pitch up until this year have always been we know that, so we're never dipping into, into week one. Literally have talked with, with guys on that organization and said, if your guy's still around week two, let's let's talk, because they know. And so this year, obviously, they, they dipped in early and often. And uh, as of this morning, I pulled some numbers. They're leading the NFL and total money spent on unrestricted free agents this year and total guarantees. They spent about two, $249 million so far. And just about 140 million of that is guaranteed. So they took a little different approach, but I'll tell you one really great story I love from this classic. Bill Belichick is phenomenal. He's really good. I mean, everybody knows that, but as a manager, he's really good. As a team manager, he's really good. So Kyle Van Noy, my gosh. So last year they lose him to unrestricted free agency to the Dolphins. They sign him to what was termed like a four year, $53 million deal. And because they lost them to that high number contract, they got a really good com uh, uh, compensatory draft pick this year, right? <laughs> so they're going to get a nice compensatory this year. Well, Miami's deal turns into, well, thanks for one year. We can't afford the rest. They release him. New England signs him back yesterday. And they get the player that they let go. And they get the compensatory draft pick for the same player this year. Like, that's that's double dip. That's awesome. That's, you know, some guys wow. just know how to do it. Yeah. And I tell you what, he knows how to do it. And people, you know, it's funny, Paul, people said to me, are you surprised <clears throat> by what the Patriots are doing? Cause like you say, they've, they've never been an early, early team, but I'm going to tell you something. There's one thing that drives Bill Belichick more than anything else. And that's winning and W's. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a question. Um, now, how many guys were you working with? We saw we saw your hit chart. Were you, right. Did you get them? Are you all done? We're all done with the guys who were under contract last year and like their contracts are expiring. So all the exclusive rights, restricted free agents, unrestricted free agents, those all those deals are done. And we always have guys who, for one reason or another, are still out there. What we call street free agents, guys who were either on or off rosters last year or trying to make a comeback for whatever reason this year. Um, there's a hand, we have a handful of those guys and you always do. I mean, you always do. Uh, like, uh, last week we actually signed one of those, a punter from, uh, Wake Forest, Don Maggio, who mm -hmm. really because of COVID last year, no pro days. Uh, it's like a whole new draft class for a lot of those guys this year. And he signed with the Ravens, but when they reduced the roster last year before us get to go to camp, he was released. So he really didn't get a chance anywhere last year. So we just got him signed to compete uh, in, in Atlanta. So there's a handful of those guys too. But, you know, at, at various times, we had a total of 13 guys, whether it be new contracts for guys whose contracts are expiring or contract redos or extensions. We had 13 guys over the last few weeks that we had, you know, 
juggling to, to get done with teams. No, and uh, it's it, honestly, it's my absolute favorite part of this business, other than the people doing the contracts, getting, getting your hands dirty and doing the contracts. It's my absolute favorite thing. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Well, do they like him? Do they, where do you know you're going? I've always looked at it like three tiers, Jeff, right? If teams really want a guy, they'll find a way. The money doesn't matter. Like if they really want a guy, they will find a way. Doesn't matter what their cap is. Doesn't matter. You know, it's, they will find a way. If teams want a very good guy, like those are elite guys. If teams want a very good guy, then they're willing to get creative with you on things. Like maybe adding voidable years deal to spread out a, 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 a signing bonus a proration, make it more cap friendly, things like that. They'll find a way. And then the other tier are guys that they would like to have if they could get them. And those are kind of the, you know, the really not much negotiating goes on. You're looking for an opportunity for those guys. So those are really the three tiers uh, that teams look at and how they look at it. So every negotiation takes on its own personality. Even if you're dealing with the same team on multiple guys, they're all different. Every negotiation is different. They, they never start and finish with the same tone, with the same vibe. Um, they all, they're all their own entity. They really are. Now you're a brilliant guy and you attended the, uh, you know, the- my, my son disagrees, by the way, <laughs> throw that out there. <laughs> you attended the Harvard of Western Massachusetts, Springfield <laughs> college. And, and, you know, I know hold you on, like, hold on. There's a hell of a, there you go, turn. baby. I, and I know you lecture at the university of Denver on, on business and, and, you know, negotiation and all this kind of stuff. Can you in three minutes or less, Please explain to our viewers what the salary cap is in the National Football League and how it actually works. Real easy. So the salary, as we sit here today, is accumulation of all football revenue league-wide, all 32 teams. Basically, every football-generated dollar that they make goes into the pot, and they come up with one massive number. They divide that into 32 pieces, and that's how they come up with the salary cap. And, you know... There's a misnomer. It's never talked about the benefits component of that. So if the salary cap this year is $182,500,000, there's a benefit component to that of roughly 30 or $40 million as well. But that's all separate and apart. Um, but the salary cap component is a 132nd share of all football revenue that gets thrown in the pot. And it's interesting because when people talk about the salary cap, everyone everyone's heard, you know, last year, 2020, the salary cap was negotiated at 198,200, right? 190,200,000, uh, 198.2. They reduced it this year because of a reduction in overall income around the league by agreement between the PA and the NFL, basically to assure that the league would go forward with 17 games and players would get their full salary this year. So uh, unlike baseball and hockey, which had shortened abbreviated seasons, you know, players made 100% of their salary last year because they agreed, okay, we're going to revisit the cap next year. And the starting point was we're going to reduce it to $175 million. And then about a month ago, they said, okay, well, revenue – losses weren't as bad as we thought. Um, so we're going to say the floor is going to be 180 million now. And then after an accounting, they agreed on a 182.5 salary cap. So that's the starting point, right? And then what a lot of fans don't realize is that nobody rates with that exact cap. So you always have true ups from the year before. And 
if you have, for example, likely to be earned incentives in a player's contract that ultimately he doesn't earn, like a quarterback has a has a likely to be earned bonus of 30 touchdown passes, he gets five million bucks. If he throws 29, he doesn't get that five million. So the team actually gets a credit for that money back into the next year's cap. So it's it's they call it a true up. So this year, um, we looked at it and every single team had a positive carry forward that they could take advantage of. And it's an election. The teams don't have to say, yeah, we want that extra money to spend. It's an election. And every single team, 32 teams for the first time I can remember. Wow. I've been doing this longer than the salary cap. Uh, every single team took advantage of it. And you had teams like Cleveland, their, their carry forward was over $30 million. So they're not playing with uh, a 182.5 cap. They're playing with $212 million cap, for example. And I think the lowest carry forward was the Ravens. They carried forward a little over half a million dollars, and they're playing with like $183 million cap. So when you talk cap, that's the baseline. Then you have to figure out the carry forwards from the prior year. Um, and you wonder, well, if it's 182.5, how could these teams be signing these guys? Well, it really is. It's never really just that number. There's always those carry forwards, and this year everybody did. You know what? I, I think this is my business, and I found. I mean, that's sh- <laughs> that shocked me when you we were talking before the show, and you get you told me that. I said, no way. All thirty-two teams carried money forward, had the opportunity, yeah. to expand. Hey, that's unbelievable. See, that, and again, that's the kind of stuff that you know we you never going to hear that even on NFL Network. You're not going to hear that. So, so I saw we had a co- couple Cowboys fans on here. So the Cowboys carried forward twenty five point four million. So what they're how did they get how did they get Dak done? How did they get this deal done? They carried forward twenty five point four, and so they're playing with a two hundred and ten million dollar cap as their adjusted cap. See, that's, so that is that, that, is, that is fascinating. Now, let me let me ask you this question: because the cap went down, or, or was and it did go down. Um, is that the reason why we saw so many good veteran players getting released this year? I mean, you look at the Saints, so, it, was a, it was a bloodletting yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah, well, it's, it was a bloodbath around the league. So in addition to the add-on to the cap, here's the other, here's the other hiccup in that equation. While the cap went from 198.2 to 182.5, the budgeted amount, the projected amount for 2021 – Everyone's been working with 210 million as the number. So when they're signing deals two years ago, and even you know early last year before the shutdown hit and, and everything happened, teams were working with a budget of 210 million per team as their bottom floor. And again, you go back to the carryover discussion. Some of those teams even more because they had carryovers from 2019, right? So they were looking at bigger. Bigger caps. So if you go from a two the two ten cap number down to the one eighty two five cap number, right out of the gates, your budget just got cut twenty seven and a half million dollars before you before you sign or cut a player. Like they're saying, yeah, I know you got those guys on your roster and all, but it ain't happening. You're at two ten. We got to be at least under one eighty two five. So that that was the issue. It's not teams going from one ninety eight down to 180, 182. It's teams going from the budgeted 210 down to the 182 or whatever, you know, whatever the number is. Like, obviously, when you had the carry forwards, I'm looking at a couple numbers like the Browns at 212. So they were literally 
$2 million, you know, in that on that they had a couple bucks to spare, but trust me, there's like six, seven teams in that, in that boat. Nobody else were in that boat. You know, what's so amazing? That, that makes it tricky. You know what's amazing about this because there's it's all shared information around the league. There's no secrets, and you know there are I mean, no secrets. The, the, the owners have to open their books. The players know what every player makes, and it's it's publicized. UA's agents know what every player makes. Whoa, the oh, the owners do not open up their books. They do not. How we do they negotiate? How do they pre- bargaining agreements? Without looking at all the owners' books, how do you how do you know what the revenues are? We get the revenues. Okay, okay, we don't that's, get, okay. Yeah. That's that's what yeah. I meant by opening their. Because if you were to open up the books, then you look at you know who's making this in the front office. This isn't a legitimate expenditure, so we have a limited a limited disclosure only that we see. All we care about, we don't we tell that we don't care what you spend. I don't care. Like let you and your accountant figure it out. All we want to know is how much how money much? do you bring in because that's what goes into the salary cap. So we get the one side of that equation. Which is that's good what we get. because they can't come to you and say, so, cry poor. Right. But, but yeah, exactly. So it's an interesting discussion because when we went through the last lockout, the whole thing was the NFL wearing poor mouth. We dipped in this. We dipped in that. And we're saying, wow, that, that must really suck. Why don't you show us? us? And then, and then we'll be able to understand better. And then listen, we're not stupid. So if your revenues are going down 12% and you want a 12% reduction in player share, show us, you know, we're reasonable people. They say, Oh, you want us to prove it? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Different discussion now. Hey, different discussion. um, With the, with the way that, you know, the projections now, so, for example, let's look at let's look at a guy like Trey Hendrickson in Cincinnati. Signs a four year deal, yep. right? And and I see this all the time. And trying to explain it to the to the listeners, if you will, and I know where you're going with this. I see so many of these guys get these four year deals. Is it so and they're that gone they after can, a year? Well, is it so they can prorate the salary or the the signing bonus? Or okay, or and they never get to the end of the they never get to the end of the contract. So here's the problem. The problem is how these deals are reported in the media. And today, Jeff Reinbold's wearing the media hat. So, you know, you you want to know those numbers, too, and all that stuff. Within minutes of getting a deal done, your phone as an agent rings incessantly. Your text starts popping left and right. Oh, heard you got the deal done. What's, what are the numbers? What are the numbers? And all they want is the big picture. So if you say – and I, I listen uh, – Van Noy is a great example, right? The I can't remember exact terms. I think it was five for 53 or four for 53 last year with so much guaranteed and all this stuff gone after a year. So the guaranteed component is the only thing that matters, and that'll determine the livelihood and the length of that contract. And when I tell you that, there's two kinds of guarantees. There's full guarantee at signing, which is for skill, injury, and cap. So if a team cuts you because your skills diminished, you get injured and they want to cut you, or your cap number is too high and they need room, if they cut you for any of those, which are the only three reasons, there's a little form when they cut a player, check the box why you cut them, that's it, then your salary's fully guaranteed. What happens is they count the non-fully guaranteed as part of a guaranteed deal because technically it is. Typically what happens is years two, if you have any subsequent year guarantees, year two, year three guarantees in there, 
on the on the base salary, by the way, which is in the in the in the business called the paragraph five salary. So they're guaranteed for injury only at signing. So if a player gets injured, he still gets that full money for however many years he's got that P5 guarantee. And then skill and cap comes um, usually, you know, sometime after the new league year, which is the day free agency opens. So, for example, like Trey's deal, Hendrickson's deal probably has guarantees that that trigger on the third or fifth day of the 2022 league year. If they release him before then, they get out of the guarantee. That's it. The guarantee goes away. Yeah. If they keep them, then the guarantee is in play. So why do they do it like that? Well, the, the technical answer is there's a thing in the NFL called the funding rule, which means, and this was going back years ago when we were coming up with these big salaries, right? And people started to worry, are the teams, are teams really going to be able to pay this guaranteed money in three years? Well, they should put the money in escrow. So there's what they call the funding agreement, which means if you guarantee future years, you have to put that money in escrow with the NFL, with the league office, um, right? Like right now. So teams aren't going to, they're not going to put cash just to sit in an escrow account. So what they do is they conditionally guarantee it. And that's why. And we fought in the last CBA to get the funding rule out because we don't, we really don't worry that a team's going to go belly up on us financially. <laughs> no, we are not in that position anymore. But the league wants it in there. The league says the biggest the, the biggest reason today is if a team is is sold, then they don't want any of that carry forward you know commitments to be on the new owners that the old owners committed to. That's that's the reason. Because otherwise, and that's a half reason. Because otherwise, there really is no reason other than so teams get to say, well, you know, Paul, we, we can't guarantee year two fully because we have to fund it. Yeah, we don't have that yeah. kind of cash flow. So speaking of cash flow, I bet you know your some of your listeners would be su- surprised as well. When you do a signing bonus deal, you try to get that whole, whatever the number is, you try to get it lump sum on the barrel head cash payment like when it's agreed to. Usually it's within 30 days of signing and because you have to pass the physical and the league has to approve the contract. And what happens if the signing bonus gets really large is they try to match it up and, and it's fully guaranteed. The signing bonus is legitimately fully guaranteed. Uh, they try to match it up with TV revenue payments. So when the league gets their TV money in and they distribute it to the teams, that's when typically the signing bonus payment triggers uh, kick in. So, you know, you might get your, they usually get a quarterly. So you might get your payment in, in April from their March payment. You might get one in October from your from the team's September TV revenue payment like that. So that becomes a negotiating issue as well. Like when are we, okay. So we agreed to the signing bonus. When's he getting it? When's he getting it? Yeah. So all those little tricky things are part of the deals, which, you know, it's not just the raw numbers you're negotiating. It's like all of those other things as well. I'll tell you what, I can see why you enjoy it so much. Hey, uh, I want to bet. I gotta. I gotta ask you. Can you give us Shoot. a few? We got questions from our listeners, yeah. and viewers, and and again, this is such a rare, rare opportunity to to have a question with, with a guy that understands this game the way you do. Claire the Bear is a uh, huge, and I'm talking about maybe the biggest Bears fan you'll ever meet outside All of right. Chicago. Uh, she says, "Do the London International Games or London slash International Games?" affect the cap in any way hey claire yes and uh by the way you're welcome we got carl santos renewed there 
He had the most successful season of any kicker in 101 years of the Bears. And it was like pulling teeth with no Novocaine for, for the start of that <laughs> negotiation. But but we got it done. And uh, and it was a tricky deal. But honestly, I, I, I tease on that. Joey Lane and, and Ryan Pace are really good. Uh, Joey's a phenomenal negotiator, too. He's really smart, really good. But uh, yes, short answer, yes. So any revenue made in those London games – uh, we don't, we don't, again, we don't care about expenses, any revenue generated from those London games. And that includes like stadium revenue, uh, apparel, shirts, anything like NFL property stuff goes into the pot. So that goes to contribute to the salary cap uh, component. Yes. Okay. Now let me ask you a question in that regard. And I don't, I don't know if the fans understand this about how the taxes work <clears throat> in the United States, but when you play on the road, so for example, if you're Buffalo and you're paying, you play at home, you pay New York state tax. But if you go play in California, which has the highest state tax in the United States, you will play the Rams. That week, your salary is taxed California state tax, correct? It sure is. So we file typically eight to nine different returns for each player uh, every year. So I'll tell you a really quick. So when I used to teach, I taught a uh, sports law and a contract negotiating class at University of Denver grad school. They had a great sports management MBA program there. And this was a fascinating part of it. I loved it. Here's the history lesson. My understanding is this visiting athlete tax started in Indiana. And when the Bulls came in to play the Pacers, they were looking at all the money they were playing those Bulls guys back then, the Jordans, the Pippins, the, the Horse Grant, all those guys. And they said, they're earning that money in our state. They should pay us. Wow. That's how it started. So then Illinois said, oh, you're going to tax you're going to tax our Bulls? Okay. We're going to tax everybody who comes in our state. And then it took off. And now you've got like Pennsylvania has, you pay the Pennsylvania state tax. If you're playing Philly, you, play, you pay a Philadelphia city tax. So it was a it was a mess for a while because what they had to do was say, well, you we're going to tax you because you play 16 games. We're going to tax you on one sixteenth of your salary at our state rates. So back in the early 80s, there was a quarterback with the Raiders. You might I know you remember Mark Wilson. Yeah. Mark Wilson filed a lawsuit um, and it got it got at least to the California Supreme Court. I think it got to the U.S. Supreme Court. Mark Wilson said, uh, there's no way I should pay at the time 114th. I'm in the club. I'm working every day. So they came up with the duty day method, right? So now there's 168 duty days in the NFL. So for every day you spend in a visiting team city, you get, let's say you spend two days, two 168ths of your salary text. So <laughs> That, that's what happens. So I got one more quick funny story. If, I, if I'm not running out of time. No, 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 no. Shoot. Okay. No, go ahead. So this is my favorite story on that topic. So baseball. Frankie Viola, St. John's grad from New York, pitched with the Mets. When he was pitching with the Twins, uh, Massachusetts at the time, before this all came together with the duty days in the NFL, a number of days, you had a certain magic number of days in the state before they tax you. Last series of the year, Minnesota's playing in Boston in Fenway Park. He's like one day away from being taxed. He's like, I'm not going to Boston. I'm not pitching. I'm not in the rotation. We're not in the in the race. Cut it out. I'm I'm Cut not it going. Out. Cut it out. 
He didn't go. He didn't go. He didn't go. <laughs> he said. He said that just saved me having to file taxes in Massachusetts. So that was that's a true story. But yeah, but so a lot of the other stuff we deal with uh, is things that nobody even thinks about. But yeah, we actually have a really good um, accountant that works for a lot of our guys. It's all he does is pro athlete taxes. So um, Victor Barbo, pro sports tax out of. Uh, out of Manhattan, Kansas, they're they're fantastic, and he, I think he started with Jared Allen. Like Jared Allen was one guy, and then he just kind of ventured off into doing his own, just athlete taxes, and he does a phenomenal job. Yeah, I mean so. he's got he's got everybody. He got MMA guys now. He's got all kinds of guys. All right. Yeah, and, and I, I, I learned long ago, stay in your lane. So I yeah, don't hey, listen, I, I got to tell you, we are getting we are getting comments. Can you get Paul? Can can make can you make Paul a regular on the show? Can we get Paul <laughs> back again? All right, give us another question, Mike. Uh, there you go. You see, Claire DeBear says, "Can we get him on again?" Uh, Fred Flunk, who's from Ireland, appreciate says, it, Fred. He says, "Coach, can we make Paul a regular on here?" Hey, come on! If we if we make him a regular, I got to negotiate the deal. You're killing me here with all this. <laughs> all right, Brando, nineteen ninety four says, "Paul, as an agent, were you surprised how slow the wide receiver market was this year?" I think, Brent, I think the wide receiver market's taken a bad rap. I don't think it's been terribly slow. I think you've got some high-end guys who are hoping for different numbers. I, I, my guess is you're probably looking at the Juju Smiths and saying, why aren't, why aren't they somewhere yet, things like that. But we've seen some pretty good wide receiver numbers so far. I don't think it's as bad as, as people have said or portrayed it to be. I think when you look at some of the deals done, um, I, I don't think it's been bad. And and uh, I, I wish I could quote one or two of them off the top of my head. I don't have a receiver, so I don't follow that market really closely right now. Uh, we've had enough juggling of positions, but I, in the general sense, I've been watching every signing that comes in, and and I just don't get a sense that it's been that terrible. Tell you the truth. Well, well I'm gonna tell you, Aguilar and and Kendrick Bourne aren't gonna be playing for free in New England because they I thought they cashed in pretty good. Yeah, they did, and you know I did see the uh, Emmanuel Sanders deal in Buffalo, and he took a hit from what he had before. But it's also a function of he's going to a really good team with a really good quarterback. And I think that he's looking long term on this. He's saying, all right, I got another year with a really good offense. I could cash in again next year. And I think that's the approach, you know. And I think that's a smart approach to take for guys who don't get what they want. This is another topic. Ready? Don't do a bad multi-year deal. Yeah. Under any – like take your hit. Do whatever you need to do on a one. You could always recover from a one, right? Don't don't do a bad multi-year deal. Or you'll pay for it forever. You know, and, and think about it. And guy I'm like, honest with teams. When I'm negotiating with teams, like I tell them, if we if we have a gap between what I think is the pull the trigger number and, and where I think they are, then we try to fill that gap with with. That's the only time I start talking about incentives. The only time I care about incentives are. If there's a gap I'm trying to fill between what I want, what I think is fair, and what the team is holding tight on, you try to fill the gap with incentives. But, you know, you look at those, and and if you can't get to, to your number even with that, just do a shorter-term deal. And that force, on your, force that, on that team. And you got to know your guy too, right? And, yeah. and you've got to have the right guy. But by and large, you know, force that team to say in October – Okay, you were right. What do we need to do to extend this? See, and now I, you just gain leverage. 
I think there's a couple other things at play. And you told me a story, and I want you to relate it. All right. But when you look at a guy like Emmanuel, Emmanuel's financially secure for the rest of his life, and his family is, and his kids are, and his kids' kids are, probably. So it's a little bit different for him because what's important, I know what's important to him. He wants to get to be, and I think this would be the first time it's ever happened where you go to the Super Bowl with, he's been there with the Steelers. He's been there with the Broncos. He's been there with the 49ers. And I think he'll be the he has a chance to be the first player to ever go with four different teams, right? That's gonna be that's a legacy shot. You might shot. be right. That's a legacy shot. Plus, when he looks at Buffalo, it, let's say you went to Cincinnati. Well, you're not you're not going to playoffs probably, and you're not gonna go to the Super Bowl for certain, right? So, I'm not saying that. I got to negotiate with those guys. Sometimes. But, I mean, but, but that's, I mean, that's what the law no, of averages we're going to say. No, to no, you. no. I know what you're saying. Yeah. But, you know, his playoff bonus money and his Super Bowl bonus money, he'll get that. You know, he can close that gap a little bit. And, and still, he's betting on himself for, for the next year when the cap gets bigger. So the Super Bowl, what it's worth to, to the guys in 21, if you start out as a wild card team and you win the Super Bowl, it's worth a little over $300,000. So when you're looking at a rookie, for example, the rookie minimum this year is 660000 He can make half of his salary if he's on the right team if he, by if you know, he winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. But there's only, exactly. only one of those teams. But you're still looking at a couple hundred thousand. And it, it, yeah. it matters. It yeah. matters. And it also matters, like talking to Manuel, it matters more as you get a player through his career. Like it matters less to the 22, 23, 24-year-old guy. It matters as much to those young guys that they have to play on a Super Bowl team as it does when you talk to them about their benefits from for 20 years from now. It doesn't, it doesn't really register. Like everybody wants to win. Like there's no question. I've never met a player whose sole ambition was to win, but to be solely fixated on getting to a Super Bowl occurs after you've made your money, after you've experienced heartache of, of being on a team that doesn't win enough or can't get over the hump, then those veteran players get solely fixated on the opportunity to to experience a Super Bowl. Okay. So, now, but I think that's when it hits. Here's another one I want to, I want you to relate to the fans that you were de- you were dealing with a punter, right? And you were tr- it was down to the end and you're trying to decide where you're going to where you're going to place him or you're going to send him. And you chose Minnesota because he was going to play half of his games indoors it's and you issue. knew and you knew that his numbers would be better by by playing half your games indoors. And so you're always projecting revenue in the future based upon those kinds of things that most people never think about. Jeff, here's the simple rule. Everything matters. Like everything matters. My job is to kind of look ahead two or three steps from where my guy is looking. And I don't want him looking too far ahead. That's my job, right? And I'll tell you, the, so I don't mind sharing the exact story with, with your guys. So. We're talking about Britton Colquitt, and he was he was cut for cap reasons in Cleveland, and we literally had a deal in place with another team, a verbal. He was in his car driving to the other city, and I had been trying to get the Vikings to sign him since the second I knew he was going to be released because I just targeted that as if we can get there for a year, kicking indoors as opposed to kicking in the in the AFC North. Kicking in indoors in the NFC North where you have Detroit and Minnesota indoors, right? 
So I said, in looking at their schedule that year, they played in Atlanta. Like they had something like three outdoor games. And I'm going, that's the place at all costs. So we turned down almost a million dollars more to go elsewhere on a one-year deal. And we finally got Minnesota to to pull the trigger. It was about 10.30 at night here in Denver, so about midnight East Coast time. And I call him in his car. I go, where are you? He goes, I'm about 20 minutes from the hotel, according to my GPS. I go, pull over. Turn around. (laughs) Go home. (laughs) You're kidding me. You're going, you're going to fly to Minnesota tomorrow afternoon at four. We're signing there. And he couldn't have been happier. And it really, you know, listen, everybody's check clears in the NFL. I'm not, I'm not minimizing any team whatsoever. Right. And, And every player has a chance to make a difference on a team, but those things are just really important. You just have to, you have to look a couple steps ahead to say, where am I now? Where do I want to be? So that's what we did. And, and, it, and it definitely, it definitely paid off, you know, that's, so that's it, all works, it all works out. <laughs> pull over. It was pull awesome. Over, yeah. Pull over and turn around. <laughs> he literally is like, are you serious right now? I said, no, I'm dead serious. He goes, that is great. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey got any more? Give, give me another one. All right. So this is from David Crook from the UK. He says he's calling for you again. Agree. <laughs> make Paul a regular. Oh man. Hey, Jeff's my man. Anytime he wants, we could. I had a turn. I had a turn down yesterday. We were just up to our earlobes in free agency stuff, and I just couldn't do it. I'm sorry about that. But we made it work out. Chuck McBride, 21 from Canada, <laughs> says, "Will teams be pressured to go back and re- rework the contracts that had sliced dollars off this year?" Great question. So not only that, but I know we had, we got stuck in one of those situations where you could say, no, a team wants to, you know, they ask for help to get under the cap. And usually it's guys that have made a little bit of money. Um, and maybe this year's paragraph five is, is really high and they'll ask for some, some give backs. And first, your first, your first reaction is I don't want to just give it to you. What am I going to get in exchange? Like I'll trade you. I'll trade you guaranteed dollars for non-guaranteed dollars. I'll trade you paragraph five for these kind of incentives. And at the end of the day, if you can't get it done, then you know where do you go with it? And so where we went with it with a couple deals is we kept next year's, rather than me having to go back and say, remember when you just took money from us? <laughs> we kept next year's good money in play um, without being touched. And in one case, guaranteed some of that as well. So will they be coming back? They better be coming back. When that salary cap bumps again, and Mikey broke some good news earlier, which I didn't even know, that the deal, that one of the TV deals just got done, again, goes in the cap. So depending on how big of a bump that was, you know, I talked to two teams have mentioned in their mind, which translates to me as in our budget, uh, I think we're going to go back to the 198 figure next year. Okay, that's a good that's a good bump. Can we get to the 210? I don't know. Maybe let's see what the other TV deals look like. But uh, players and agents sure as hell better go back and try to make some of that up because the only reason we're giving it back is because drop in revenue. So if there's a drop in revenue, give it back. If there's a jump in revenue, they need to give it back. Yeah, exactly. One way or another. So I don't know if you knew this too, but there's also a, there's a minimum, a minimum spend per team. So 
each team has to spend 89% of that cap uh, and they do it in tranches in, in, in four year, four year groups. So every team has to spend, uh, each team individually has to spend 89. I think every, uh, as a league, every team, ha- uh, c- uh, collectively, I should say, the teams have to spend, I think it's 97% of the cap has to be spent on player salaries. So at the end of every four year tranche. And what happens if they don't? If they don't, they literally write a check to the NFLPA and they divvy it up among the players. That's how, the, so, so you know that'll never happen. Yeah, that, exactly. They're going to spend their money. Yeah, exactly. And that ensures that they that you get, you know, teams can't like for example, a team couldn't say, okay, we're just going to slash <laughs> revenues, and it doesn't matter if we win or lose, Correct. and you know, so to keep the integrity of the game the way it Correct. should be. All right, Correct. one more, Mikey, and then we're going to let Paul go. All right, this is from. Uh, Stick that back up there. David Crook from the UK. I'm not a speed reader, Mike. Christ almighty, get it up there. All right. Is the way the Dolphins approach a free agency the way forward, or is the Patriots' way this year the model? Uh, There's a lot of New England influence in that Patriots building, obviously. So I think they did kind of take a page uh, out of their book with not – Signing those elite will do anything it takes to sign guys. Uh, I think they were a little more fiscally conservative with the very good guys that were going to try to get creative and sign. Uh, whether it's a, I don't think teams have philosophies that carry from year to year. Like I think they say that. I think they might go even in the building. I think they say this is our philosophy. This is what we're doing. But I think every year brings its own set of challenges and unique roster composition issues that they have to address. So some years they could hold firm to that. And some years, like the New England, do you think New England wants to do what they're doing this year? They're doing it because they have to do it and because they have the ability to do it, right? They have the cap to do it and they have the cash to do it and they have to do it. So, you know, it's the Mike Tyson quote, right? Everybody's got a plan until you punch them in the mouth. They've got the plan. And when you start losing players or your, the players you have don't translate into the wins you want, you just got punched in the mouth. So now you just revisit it again. I think the Patriots are – I mean, the uh, Dolphins are kind of taking a page out of that, you know, fiscal conservative approach from the Patriots over the years. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it ends up and how it all plays out. But it's a well-run organization. So Chris Greer is good there, and Brandon Shore, their negotiators, good there. So, you know, Man. I, I'm being reserved on this because I think we should have signed an extension with Miami to begin with. I'm thrilled with how it worked out with with what we ended yeah. up with. With, with hey. Buffalo, but Matt's yeah. a Hawk is a really good punter uh, with what he does in that league. Is, and is he, uh, he, he, he pronounces really it good. Hawk, Hawk, Hawk. Yeah, okay. heck yeah. I'm gonna tell you something. You have to he, pronounce he, a Hawk if it's that your name. It's, it's a great he, name. He, he is gonna be lights out in Buffalo, and people don't realize what a big signing that is for a team like Buffalo. You know, I mean. That their de- their defense just got better. Their offense just got better because of the yeah. field position he'll create. And I'm going to tell you, like the punter that he replaced is a really good punter. They're just different. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from from Boyer. Cor- Corey's a really good. He's not a client of mine. I'm just, uh, but he's a really good punter. But he just does things differently. He's like back in the day, you had Shane Leckler who hit these bombs that you know had limited hang time, but would just try to just shoot the ball over the returner's head, you know, and, and just hope that you've got the fastest team in the history of America covering so you can get down there. And just a big, big, big leg. 
And Matt's not going to give you that 51 gross, you know, which was the third highest gross, I think, in the NFL ever last year from Corey. But he's going to give you the plate, the hang time, the cover ability. You know, his 104 uh, punts inside the 20 since 2018 are fourth in the NFL. Uh, and he also forces the fourth or fifth most fair catches ever. So the whole point of that is eliminate the big play, the big return. Absolutely. Absolutely. Period. Right? So that's – Net punting is the only stat that matters. The only one. Jeff, bingo. Like we we argue this all the people want to lock on the gross and even like stat resources, NML.com and all these. They always list gross first, which is the most the single most meaningless stat in pro football. Like who cares? If you can't cover that ball, what good does it do that you could hit it 60 yards? All right, now. I'd rather take a 44 with it with a 5-1 hang. You got a 44-44, that's money all day long. All right, now, I we have sat here for almost an hour, and I've heard you at least three or four times. I mean, like you rolled out some analytics, <laughs> and, I, and I went, oh, oh. So how much does do, do, do analytics play <clears throat> into your negotiating a deal with a team? Huge, because – what you're really trying to do is you're trying to differentiate your guys from everybody else. And you have to find a way to do that. And the more unique way you can do that, that the team understands. And sometimes it's really not the most complicated. Like if you get into these complicated algorithms that show teams this and that, and if they don't get it, you don't get it. It's as simple as that. So you have to really break it down. Like when we send a proposal to a team, it is never just the numbers. The numbers are typically the last page of, like in Cairo's case, for example, that was probably an 18 to 20 page presentation of what he brings and why he's valuable, both league-wide, well, not both, but league-wide and competitive in relation to his peers and in that particular city, particular team. So those are the things that you've got to differentiate. Analytics. So Pro Football Focus is a, a, a resource that I love. I think their stuff is really, really good. And Neil Hornsby, who started the agency, who started that firm, I've dealt with Neil since he was literally operating out of his flat in London as, as an NFL Europe fan, putting, at the time, relatively obscure stats together. I'm like, who is doing these things? i got to talk to this guy. And they're just really thorough and really good. Um, and they get, you know, listen, anytime you deal with stats, you're going to get the other side of the coin always, right? And people love to throw out the quotes like, you know, there, there's there's only stats and damn stats and you could lie with any stat. Uh, you know what? What do you want to find out? That's what I want to know. What do you want to find? I want to find out. I'll give you a great example. So when we were doing Cameron Wake's I think it was actually his first big deal in Miami. Uh, he didn't have a ton of sacks that year, but I watched every game of every client. Thank God for NFL game pass and replay. But that year, just like anecdotally, it felt like he got to the quarterback or he affected things more than his numbers showed me. So before we put together that proposal, I called me, I said, Hey, I've got a couple things. I could deal with pressures. I could put all the pressures together. What about holding penalties drawn? Mm. How many did he did he draw? 
So he's like, I don't know. Let me look. So he looks at it and he literally led the league in holding penalties drawn. So the average sack turned into a seven and a half yard loss while the average holding penalty obviously was 10 yards from, from the spot. So we also said, well, they get to, they get to replay the down. So there's a little bit of value in that to the offense. So we valued a holding penalty as 0.7 of a sack. And we put this whole thing together, part of our analytics, and it just made perfect sense. And I think it literally shot their argument down that, well, you know, he kind of had a down year with sacks. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sacks are like the end result of the thing, right? We gave numbers about, you know, when a quarterback is pressured, when you get a legitimate quarterback pressure, it throws his quarterback rating off 48%. Just a pressure. You don't even need to get to him. Right. So we had all these different things that and don't quote me on that number. I'm pretty sure that's the number, but I'm going off the top of my head from from that deal. But we look at all that stuff, Jeff, and it's always just how do you differentiate your guy from everybody else? And when the team says. If you if you guys have ever sold a home, you're looking at comps, you're looking at comparable homes, same neighborhood, same amenities, same number of bedrooms. It's pretty similar. We come up with comp. what's this guy look like? And so it's the biggest job is to find who's. Who does this guy look like around the league? Hopefully he's a guy making a lot more money than your guy when you're, <laughs> you know, entering the negotiation. And you say, well, if he's making that and we're doing more than that, then we need to make more than that. And then you're going to need to differentiate the team comps from yours because they'll come up with ones that go, well, yeah, look at this guy. He's making half and he does just as much almost. So you end up that with that kind of diatribe in the negotiation, but analytics are huge, Jeff. I mean, just huge in everything we do. All right. Yeah. I'm going to let you go, but I, before you go, I'm going to tell you that we have had hall of famers on this show, super bowl champions on this show, Heisman trophy winners on this show. And of all the great players, (laughs) coaches that we've had on this show, nobody. And I mean, nobody has ever had fans write into the show, tweet into the show. <laughs> you got to get this guy back. You got to make him a re- uh, I, What an awesome. I appreciate awesome, it. What an unbelievably awesome hour, Paul. Thank you. I appreciate thank it. You, thank you. I'll give you my agent's number. You can set it up with him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate thank it, you. Guys. Thank you. It has been awesome, man. Thank you, you, got you so it. much.